nobody came to me saying, hey, this is a, I got this opportunity. I just asked. I got a no, I got a yes. But that's the only thing. If you got, if you got, if you're curious about something, ask how it's done. Ask where can I get it. Ask how can I get there, or what steps did it take. This is the Twenty at Twenty podcast, where I, Bryce Betts, your host, have twenty-minute conversations with industry leaders about what advice they would give their twenty-year-old selves. Yo, welcome back. Episode number seven of the 20 at 20 podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you've listened to all the episodes, I I can't thank you enough. It means a lot. I'm I'm getting some reviews already, and that's just great. If you can continue to, make sure you're subscribing. And any review, it helps so much. Uh, New podcast, and I'm trying to get to as many people as I can. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. I have another great guest today. It it should be a pretty interesting perspective, I think. He's an immigrant who moved to America from Colombia. So I think that gives him a different perspective. And then I also, I love that he's building a, a great business on the side while working full time. So he has has his normal job at an elementary school which as a behavioral specialist. But then on the side, if you're following him on Instagram, you'd think he's building a this strength and conditioning business full time. I mean, he's working with division one schools, different high schools and sports of, of all, all sorts from soccer to even um, some snowboarding and and just a very broad spectrum and and you would never think that you'd be able to build such a a brand while still working and that's something that I'm I'm really excited for because it's hard to jump directly into your passion and make that your full-time job you're always going to have to usually step in slowly and and like I'm I'm working full-time doing this podcast on the side which is much smaller than the strength and conditioning business so I'm excited to hear more from the guest on the other line I have Jose Luis Catano Jose how's it going hey what's going on Bryce thank you for having me over I mean it's a privilege uh to have you in your new podcast. I mean, you're being such an influence on my work, uh, my business size in the strength conditioning world from me and so many others out there. You're being one of that guy, you know, from the designing side, uh, social media aspect. So you're pretty much one of, one of the guys on my team for sure. So you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm privileged to be part of this. Nice. Thank you. It's definitely been a privilege to work with you. And that's what, one thing that's cool is I, I have a core group of friends and we all kind of help each other and support each other. And Jose is definitely a part of that. And as, as I've grown as a graphic designer, his business and strengths and conditioning has just became so much more professional. So we're kind of on that same wavelength of growth and we're just building each other up. So I can't wait to see where we're going to be in, in five years, 10 years and just continue to help each other grow. So I kind of gave an intro in the beginning about what you do, but could you just explain a little bit better about um, what your days look like. So are you working at the elementary school and then going to the gym and working with your athletes or how does that work? Yeah, so uh, pretty much uh, from school year, from September all the way to June, I'm a behavior specialist for uh, school here in the school district. So I got my normal schedule from 8.30 to 3, 3.15, 3.30 p.m., uh, I've been doing this for around eight years. Ever since I came from Colombia, I landed a position in the school district, and I've been working all over the place. But currently, 
that's what I do. So I work on a behavior special and the behavior uh, as a behavior specialist, sorry. And I work with kindergartens all the way to fourth grade. So we created this year a program which is for support. So usually, I mean, if we have a kid who has uh, who has uh, needs, and then we try to meet him meet those needs before he goes into a special ed classroom. So, you know, so we work there until 3.30, and then I pick up my shift at the gym from 4.30 p.m. all the way to 10, 11 p.m. Monday or Friday. So, and then in the gym, um, I work from, again, uh, I have three programs, my youth development programs, my junior development programs, and my elite. Uh, so I, it's dependent on the ages. I have fourth to eighth grade. I have high school and then I have um, a, a lead as college and professional athletes uh, that come through. So it's good. It's busy. So usually Monday to Friday is a 15, 16 hour day. But I love it, man. Honestly, I haven't woken up one day saying, man, I have to go to work. So it helps. That does help for sure. I mean, you do have to go to work, but you're enjoying the work, so so that's just great. Those are long days, I imagine. So when you get home, let's say you're you're at the gym until eleven o'clock. You get home. Are you just going directly to sleep? Or are you able to have any time? And then, I mean, how I I guess you're back at work at eight thirty. Do you have a commute? Or how I'm trying to wrap my head around working a fifteen sixteen hour day. Yeah, no, so, like, the best part is, like, I'm so fortunate, like, where I live, uh, the jobs that I do, um, you know, my day, I wake up at 8 o'clock, my, the school I work at is down the street, I could probably walk to, but I'm too lazy, so I drive, it takes me five minutes to get there, then the gym where I run my business is three blocks away, I can only work there, walk there, so sometimes I walk, and then um, I work, I'm also the assistant coach for a soccer, for a varsity soccer team in Methuen, so during the fall and the summer, I'm over there, so that's also during the fall, I go to the school, and that's only 15 minutes away, so I'm very blessed that all my jobs are less than 10 minute drives, or else I wouldn't know how I do it, so I get out of work, come to my house for five minutes, 10 minutes, eat something, change, go to the gym, and then I go back at, I go back at night. And then um, as soon as I get back, I try to you know debrief some of the stuff that went today, what I had to work on, programs uh, with the kids. Uh, usually um, I don't post a lot on Instagram, you know, just because I'm so busy through the day. But what I do is that I take time just to, put more of what I go through the gym, you know? So I try to, instead of posting an elaborated post, I try to share what I do on a regular basis. So if you go on my stories, there there's just a bunch of stuff that, you know, I take 10 seconds, one of my athletes is doing something, put it away. So I don't think I'm really, really good when I try as much as I can to not spend too much phone, phone time when I'm with my athletes, but I just pop my phone out, take a 10-second clip put it away then usually when i go home at night you know i I say 15 minutes while i'm eating and i just post it up so i don't post anything while i'm at work i mostly post afterwards on my downtime because i want to i want to show people what i do you know elaborated post 
are easy to do, but when somebody is seeing what you do on a regular basis, it just gives you a better idea of the atmosphere, the feeling, the stuff that we work on, the interaction with the athletes. So that, that's kind of what I like to show. That's such a great lesson. Gary Vee always talks about document, not create. And that's such a, a great, great thing to focus on because of if you're really going to think about like let's say you're in the gym you could go in and, and build all these tutorial videos and stuff and that's going to take so much time and when you're working 15 hour days you don't have that time but you're still very active on social media your following's growing every month you're great in the stories and that's all from documenting not creating and then I know sometimes on the weekends you go back in and you can you can make some more in-depth content based on that things maybe you take the video of your athlete and then you go a little bit more in-depth so I do want to talk a little bit about just coming to America. I find that so interesting. Um, I know that you came here in 2007. So could you just say, I, I guess, what that was like? Did you speak English at the time? Um, were you involved in anything? I mean, how how hard was that to come in? I, I would imagine you'd be a senior in high school to come to a totally different country with a different native language. Yeah, I mean, um, the change, I mean, I mean, at first it was part of the American dream. My mom was here as an immigrant. She was here for years, uh, seven years. So I was in Colombia. She left to come to the U.S. when I was in middle school, so sixth grade. I didn't see her until I was a senior. So all that time, you know, phone calls. So, so my dream was going to the U.S. to be with my mom, to, you know, live the American dream, like they call it. Uh, so always as a kid, my dream was come to this country. You know, I know in English language wise, um, I mean, pretty much just think about, you know, you taking Spanish class in high school, middle school. That's the English that I came with. I grew up raising BMX in Colombia. So I was taking also extra classes for English, but my language dude was nothing. Like I, I didn't know a word, but my vocabulary was a little bit bigger. Uh, so just because, you know, the magazines, the BMX magazines, always trying to translate. So I had a lot of knowledge of words, but not a single spoken thing. So when I came here in 2007, I mean, it was just a shock completely. Like I went from black to white because, I mean, I came from paradise. I mean, you were in Colombia, the weather. I came here in 2007, January, and I came to one of the biggest storms that at that point uh Austin had had so I was like oh well this is gonna be interesting you know I was excited but I was like I don't think I'm even gonna be able to ride bikes I don't even know how to communicate with people the town where I came there was nobody spoke Spanish either so it was a very I want to say American American based um uh town there wasn't a lot of diversity I can't say that now because there's all sort of cultures in this town that have migrate, migrated to, to here. But it, it was just tough. Uh, I mean, it was just, I just didn't know what to do. You know, like, I didn't know what to go to school. I didn't know what to work. Uh, my mom had finally become legal. So I came in this country, even though I was an immigrant, I came in with all my paperwork in, uh, on hand, which helped a lot. I can say that to a lot of people that come here, I have a lot of friends that are struggling, you know, with immigration status. But that's part of life. That's that's what the the world we live in. So so at first I was like, well, I can't make any friends. I can't speak to anybody. Um, so all I did was play video games, uh, chat with my friends from Colombia, 
and every day from every day two hours from one to two or three o'clock i will go like english for dummies like those kind of books mm-hmm. and for two hours i will just read on my own uh study then my partner will come home and during dinner time i will talk to him about how to say and how to work uh like what he meant stuff like that so it was more of a self-approach of learning the, the language and then eventually i ended up going to college full-time for three years to learn the language which is i think that was probably the best investment i could have done in my life i mean everything that i've done is probably that investment was the best like if there's anybody who comes from another country if there's a way they could go to school that is the number one like that's your phd if you're coming from another it doesn't matter if you go to college it doesn't matter like what you do but enlist on an English learning program. Like, that's the best. Rather than just going, because my mom refused for me to go to work. My cousin was already sent me up with a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's job already. My mom refused. I was crying. He's like, he's not going to work. He's going to go to school. We got to figure it out. So I'm glad my mom enforced that because I probably wouldn't even be here if I would have taken that route. You know, because I'm I am where I am because of those of those first stages where I was when I came here. So there's no way to know exactly where you would be if you did different paths, but it, it sounds like your path was definitely a great one. And it, it's so shocking for me knowing you what you were saying of the struggles and just sitting inside and playing video games. Um, I know Jose pretty well. I've, I've actually gone to Colombia with him. And uh, through BMX, we had the same coach, Tony Hoffman, who is episode number one of this podcast. And it's just, uh, Jose is one of the most energetic, outgoing pers- people that I've ever met. I mean, he, he he's the person that when you go, we're in Thank San you. Francisco and we're at the wharf, he's talking to some random person for 20 minutes that, that uh, I, I would never go approach because he's just so <laughs> outgoing and, and always just has something to talk about, which definitely has helped in business. I know you've networked a lot and you've met a lot of different people from different um, technologies within sports and science that that have helped evolve you so could you just talk a little bit about um, how you kind of approach mentorship and and I know you have a different way to just kind of reach out to people so could you just talk about what you do for that yeah so my thing is just curiosity I want to say that uh, I think in today's world in today's society we are just entitled you know we have Google is our new mom, you know? Back in the day, it's like, hey, mom, how do you do this? Hey, mom, how do you do that? Now you got Google. If you're not searching on Google, you don't know, want to know what it is, or you're not interested about it, you know? Before, it was a parent who will, like, be our Google search on how to do stuff. So part of my curiosity was, you know, learning how to do stuff in the strength conditioning world, so advanced, so much going on. So I was always curious about it, and... The, the, the thing about on how to approach and the people that I've met is just by mean curiosity on how things work rather than, hey, get me faster, hey, get me stronger, hey, get me this. You know, like, that's like entitlement. My approach has always been like, hey, I'm having a difficulty with this athlete, I'm doing this, 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 and that. Um, is there anything you think I could do? You know, so I'm sharing rather than extracting information. To, you know, if you want to call it that way, because some people could get offended by that. Um, but but that's exactly what it was. I haven't struggled. I, I had struggled with my friends 
and then some of my athletes so I will reach out to people that I thought could help. For some of them, I will never hear a reply back. For some of them, we will start in exchange information or even, I mean, on my end, um, you and I, we've been using velocity-based training for years. And then once I started seeing a pop-out out there in the certain world, I was like, oh, I know what this is. I know. So I started stating conversation on my, you know, with the vocabulary that I had and building relationships. Uh, that was the first thing. Rather than just asking for information, rather than just, hey, get me this, get me this program, was more to build uh, build a relationship with the person because I think that was key. That has been key for me. Like, I'm not interested on brands or anything like that or being recognized. But just to know that I know the person means everything to me. So I don't care, like, how many followers the person has, but if, if the person is, ab- is able to share, if I'm able to share something with that person, if one day I can help them, that's awesome. So that has been my approach since day one. I want to say on everything. I, I want to say in life. I don't think, like, just my job or my sense of in business, but just in life, you know, just building the relationships and then helping each other out. And not only that, helping without expecting a return. I think that that's been my mojo, like my thing. Um, even with friendships and stuff like that, I've never been disappointed, you know, just because I never expected anything from them, but I just gave what I could. You're not looking to just get... I mean, the word would be clout off of these people or no people to no people. You you just are, are having conversations, building relationships. And, and those are the organic things that one day, um, it, maybe if you move to another city and you needed some help or you needed to make a connection, that, or even they have someone that moves to your area, they're going to send them to your gym. And not that you do anything to get it in return, but by not doing it to get something in return, that's definitely what allowed you to get there. So... I would imagine, um, so you're 2000, in 2009, you're 20 years old, and you're a few years into uh, being in America. You, you talked about you had a lot of struggles when you were 17. Um, when you first came here, you didn't know how to really communicate. You were really just focusing in on your own world, talking to people back at home through the internet and through video games. Could you paint a picture of what you were doing in 2009? So, yeah, so then... Um in 2009, I was already, in 2009, I actually started doing BMX again. I finally found out a BMX track around here, and I found somebody that, uh, I ran into somebody at the track, his name is Brian Santos, that's my man right there. So he saw me ride, and then at that point, I knew a little bit of English. So he's like, hey, dude, you ride well, uh, you know, why don't you come to us for a national? So he walked me through on how to ride BMX again into the, the American circuit. So I started doing that. So that was the sport aspect. But then in the professional working area, I grew up and I'm, I'm still working at, at the YMCA. So I want to say part of what everything that I've been doing now is because of the path that I chose. And in this case, going into the retail service, such as, you know, the easiest jobs in the U.S. is working at a store. Anything that you sell. Anything that you sell, you can get a job on, you know. And if you speak two languages, you, you get an application and you're already there. So, but for me, that didn't fulfill me. Uh, in 2009, you know, talking to my boss, his name is Ryan. I was like, Ryan, how did you do that? How did you hire me 
I, I was in the, in the woods with a hundred kids. Nobody spoke Spanish. And I was with a little translator back then. Like, how did you do that? And he goes like, man, I don't know. I had a goodbye from you. And I just had to take the chance. I was scared. He tells me. I was really scared. I didn't know what was going on. And that actually shaped who I am today. Being able with these, you know, these kids, like helping them out. And I also started volunteering at the high school that same year in 2007. Sorry, for the school district in 2007. That makes so much sense. And it's always interesting. I, I like to touch on mentors in this podcast. And it sounds like your cousin played exactly that. And you had people around you your mom as well, who helped you. But the people around you, they were just trying to get you to go into retail. And that would have been the fastest way to get some money. And I'm sure you would have been up to a manager and done decent, especially for, let's say, an 18, 19-year-old. But the, the the thing is, is in the last episode, Khalif Asagai talked about a lot of people, they don't dream large enough. And Clarence Lee Jr. in episode number five he also talked about that. And it's just, you really need to make sure that you're thinking about what you want to do for your the rest of your life or for the next few years where you want to be instead of just what you want right now. So I, I'm sure... I'm sure you would have had a little bit more money at the time or it would have been easier and uh, a lot of people around you were kind of settling there, but you you didn't really know what you wanted to do, but I guess you knew that you wanted more and that's all you really needed to do. And I think that that right there is the best lesson. No, yeah, no, I like just touching bases. Like that was actually, I know since I was, you know, because I, I needed, since I was in Colombia, I needed a plan A. Plan A and plan B. Plan A was going to the US. Plan B, what if that didn't work? So I wanted to. I didn't know any idea what I wanted to do because for so long I wanted to come to the U.S. But part of my senior year, you know, people is like, hey, you need a plan B. You know, you maybe go to school. So that was like, why don't you go for for sports management? That was a degree in Colombia. So I had that in the back of my head. I came in here, started working with kids. I didn't even know I was good working with kids. I didn't even know I was good at that. You know, I never in Colombia, I worked or helped with any programs in here that developed into something that I'm great. I'm very confident on that. Like I'm amazing working with kids and young adults and adults. With my friend, uh, we were in camp and like you said, thinking ahead. So we were joking around. He was joking around maybe being a state police, being an FBI agent, being in the DA, being something like that. And then I was wishing for like i wish i could work with athletes one day you know but that's what my thought is and i knew about going into retail that wouldn't happen and then now today i'm working with athletes and my friend is just going to um is going to boot camp to go and work for a federal federal uh federal job in the law enforcement so like you said like that's exactly what it is you know you gotta dream big or just think about what you want to do and don't get caught in the moment. Definitely, and that, that's so important. So I know that you said you work with, um, I guess it's your elite program, which would be like the Division I um, athletes. What kind of, I guess, struggles and advice do you do you give towards them? I know that they're all going to be focusing on different things. Maybe it's workload at school. It could be something, just a relationship, or whatever that thing, family, whatever they're struggling with. Um, what do you usually like? Is there anything that you feel like uh, a lot of times you're you're giving them as advice? Trying to keep your mind on 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 task on what you have to do, and that's a rough age because they wanna they wanna party, they wanna go out. Drugs uh, are an issue now. Alcohol is an issue. So girlfriends, 
Like, there's still so much going on, um, you know, creating a status socially. So, but the athletic world is so limited. So I always try to help them out, you know, making better choices, what is it that they need to focus on. Um, try to, like, talk to them, you know, what are your goals, what do you want, what are your struggles, and try to meet them in the middle. You know, like, I don't like to be a push, but I like to provide the tools and just give them my perspective. You know, I don't drink, I don't, I haven't done, I don't do drugs. Uh, I go out, I party, so I try to share that stuff on how can they have that social aspect but without derailing them from the professional development, which is key for the guys that are coming to me. There, there's so many distractions, I guess you could call it, especially as an athlete. I had an episode number five with Connor Fields, and he spoke about that. And th- there's a balance, right? And, and you know, there's also an end to your athletic career. So if you really want to um, have all those nights at midnight or whatever, I mean, you're going to have a plenty of life to do that. But these people are, if especially at that college age, it sounds like they're really focusing on, on going from um, trying to become a professional athlete. These next few years are so key to build that foundation if they ever want to be able to make a career at this. And it, I know you're such a, a great role model on that side of things. So, and then I know you, we touched on it a bit, but could you just add, I guess, is there anything that you wish um, you knew when you were 20 years old or any piece of advice that you think, not that I think you have to go through your struggles, but maybe would have changed your perspective on those struggles and helped you make it easier. Yeah, honestly, like uh, I want to say like part of um, the big one is that the financial aspect. I wish when I was younger, you know, I came from another country, I was blown out of way for how accessible things work. I was working at a camp, so I was getting money. And instead of saving a little bit more, I was just spending it on everything. So I wish I would give myself advice like, hey, don't spend so much money on this stupid stuff. I was the kind of guy who had 10 Oakley pairs of oh. sunglasses. That was not necessary. Yeah. You know, like that wasn't necessary. Like I didn't have to go to a store and get, um, you know, the U.S. has so many seasonal clothing and I had to get the seasonal clothing at the time. Little did I know is that if you wait three, one month, you get it for half off. But I was getting it when it came out. So that was my number one, you know? So just... That's something that I find interesting. I, I want to be able to combine um, the advice that people are giving and, and try to find some, some common themes. And being in episode seven, one common theme that I've definitely seen already is the money aspect that you spoke about. Khalif Asagai talked about just that money gives you that freedom to take opportunities that you might not be able to take if you don't have something set aside. Jason Richardson talked about investing in experiences over just random goods because, I mean, um, I talked about these Yeezys that I like. And, I, I, I mean, I'm I'm the first one to say that I I follow the hype stuff and I, I even buy some art that I probably don't need. But it's it's important for me to, to listen to this advice from different people that have uh, been where I am and, and realize that, yeah, those Yeezys are cool, but it's probably better to, to not buy a $200 pair of shoes every month and just invest that or, or save that to create an opportunity for you later. So if you want to open a gym or you want to be able to go to a different, um, different city for an opportunity, maybe that's a job, maybe that's uh, a, position there's just that that 
money is freedom and, and we don't do everything for money. You spoke about that. Especially kids are able to pick up on that, that you should be doing it for for the right reasons, which it definitely sounds like it is. And I, I appreciate you sharing that perspective. So we are at the end of this and uh, I, I hope they found some value in it. it I, I find that so interesting that that perspective of coming from another country, I think you're able to really zoom out and it seems like you're a lot more appreciative of the opportunities that this country has. And that's something that I definitely have uh, probably taken for granted being here my whole life, but um, I need to hear that perspective to be able to zoom out and realize how many great opportunities there are, and and even I got to go to summer camp, and I never thought that people wouldn't think that's normal when seeing it on TV, so thank you for (laughs) that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Cool. So where can they connect with you? What's your social media? And uh, if there's any last quick piece of advice, just maybe like two sentences. Yeah, no, so the last piece of advice is, like, um, don't be afraid uh, to look for help. Uh, I think, you know, like, sometimes we don't want to ask, but only when you ask, you, you will receive. Like, you know, like they're saying, uh, and that's what I did. Like, I think I, I, I am where I am because I asked. Nobody came to me saying, hey, this is a, I got this opportunity. I just asked. I got a no, I got a yes. But that's the only thing. If, you got, if, you got, if you're curious about something, ask how it's done. Ask where can I get it. Ask how can I get there, or what steps did you take? Um, that's my last piece, and that has been gold for me. Amazing. And where can they connect with you? What's your social media? Yes, uh, my social media on Instagram. You can find me at Catano Performance uh, on Twitter, Catano Perform, Catano Perform One, and uh, Facebook, uh, Catano Performance, and on my website. Uh, com, and you could go over there and just check all my programs and if you have guys have any questions about training uh, or anything live just hit the DMs I uh, will more than likely be responding to those Amazing. Such a great perspective and advice from someone that came to America when they were 17 years old barely spoke the language didn't know a single person they were scared to they were scared to meet people and they didn't even want to go out. They were just living through video games and through college. They actually decided that they're able to find their passion, uh, decide they're going to work with kids and now living their dream, working 15 hours a day, but doesn't even seem like he's working a day because he loves it. So thanks so much for that perspective. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe. Check back for the next episode next Tuesday. Thank you.